0: blog talk radio
1: good day listeners welcome to you are okay powered by blog talk radio my name is Bob and this morning is Sarah good morning Sarah how are you doing today?
0: good morning I'm doing okay I have a bit of a, a frog in my throat today I've, got, I've had bronchitis for the last few days and with that said I'm getting better and I'm honored to be here good morning everyone Good morning. Welcome to You Are Okay with Blog Talk Radio. Oh, So, Bob, how are you today? How's your week been? Tell us about your week.
1: all is well, all is
2: well.
0: I'm going to stop this music. For some reason, um... I don't know why, but for some reason, um, it just we get the cutout, and so I've heard not a word you've said except all is well, so may I ask you to start again, Bob, and we okay. won't listen to Be Still Thy Soul.
1: All right. Maybe we'll listen to that a little bit later when we, when we do a meditation. I have a little yeah, idea. Yeah, good idea. Okay. The, uh, last week, we talked about all will be well, all will be well, all manner of things will be well, and... You know that's kind of been my mantra this week, or as far as you know, every day, trying to make sure to say that at least a couple of times because there's been some times when I wasn't sure all things were going to be well. So, it it helps at least to center me and to get me back into focus on what I need to be doing at the moment. So. Me too. Me too. You know, so it's been a good week. I'm not going to say that there weren't some trying times, but overall, you know, the weekend got here, and that's been going well, and I'm off for... Um, have a little project to do on Friday for work, but other than that, I'll be hanging out in my backyard, uh, doing some landscaping and and uh, hoping to make the yard look, look a lot better this week, and it looks like the weather will... Cooperate after today. It's been been raining, which is good thing. We've needed the rain so bad.
0: That's good. I I realized that my um, my sprinkling system wasn't on enough, and I've tried to correct that this week. So my grass was starting to look dead in some places, which saddens me. So I'm hoping that picks up because I'm off to Santa Fe Thursday night, and uh, I I don't. And I'm not well enough to go out there and do anything in the yard. I even have a new. I knew one of those things that, weed whacker things, you know, that uh, I have all charged up and ready, but it's not ready to go. It's not completely assembled. So I um, I don't know what I, <laughs> I think this today, the next two days is probably going to be more of, of the last few days so that I'm well for Santa Fe. But uh, I certainly think that it's it's been an interesting week. I don't like to be well and I don't, uh, unwell, and I don't, generally succumb to things like this and this one snuck up completely behind me
1: yeah and all the years i've known you to have a cold for more than a day i don't think
0: i don't either that's the thing it just got me by unaware and and then i proceeded to not do the things that i should have been doing and bam here i am it's amazing
1: yeah, maybe it was. Maybe it was a little sign from above to take a to take a rest for a little bit. Maybe.
0: Yeah, I think you're right. I think that's a good point. That that maybe I needed to slow down a bit. I certainly have slowed down. Um, you get pretty tired when you don't sleep for a couple of nights because you're coughing all night long. Yeah. And so, <laughs> just by its nature, I slowed down a bit. But I don't think I would rather uh, slow down more gently in Santa Fe than doing this. So this is kind of the pits. Now, um, today's topic, my friends, is what's left unsaid. Um, if you'd like to talk as we're talking about that, the phone, the call-in number is 646-595-3584. I'm going to call. <coughs>
1: what we're to talking to about... We're going to talk about anger and the value of letting enough time go by so that we're not saying things in anger, so that we're taking time to reflect upon, think about what we're going to say before we do, before we cause ourselves more pain from, from the words that we might say or to stop from saying mean things that are going to hurt others, because in hurting others, we end up hurting ourselves. So... I want to talk a bit absolutely.
0: about that absolutely in fact last night on the television set i watched that show doubt i think it's called i i has meryl streep in it and it's oh, where Saw
1: yeah. oh, that movie yeah
0: it was amazing i i have a favorite scene in it but before i tell you in association with this topic today uh, my favorite scene, what was your favorite scene, if there were any in relationship to the, today's topic?
1: I would say in relationship to today's topic was uh, the scene that most stood out to me in that movie was where the mother and Meryl Streep were walking along, and the mother pretty much accepted the fact that, you know, her child might be being molested, but she didn't care, but... She had so much anger against the husband that it didn't matter. Or I don't want to say it didn't matter. It was, it was it was a very troubling scene in that movie to me. And the way that she helped it was the way I guess that she handled her anger at her husband.
0: <laughs> yes. That was a powerful that was a powerful scene. I I think what I heard her saying was that her son was gay, and that her husband could not accept that. Right. Pardon me? Right.
1: I would agree agree that that's what I understood that to mean, too. but.
0: But it also had such... The mother was black, for our listeners who are listening, and it had such a resignation that I just have to accept these things so that my son can spend the la- we can accept my son basically being the priest prostitute and by the way i am not saying that's necessarily the case but we can accept my son being the priest prostitute so that he can get through this year and then he will be able to go to the catholic high school and he will no longer be in danger's way and he will be able to get out of this circumstance but if for any reason my son is is saved from this in other words my son becomes linked with this then uh, my husband will kill him you know it was like oh my gosh what choices bob what choices i i was aghast that as a mother she couldn't make the same simple kinds of choices that i made as a mother of course i would do something for my child my child first you know uh whether it would be calling the police because somebody may have touched my child or something else i mean those were just a given and yeah. and she she didn't have those choices so it was a very very humbling scene i thought very well acted very humbling very frightening and very and speaking to so many different things uh because certainly there was a racial component in it too but Especially in in the new school, but much more... I mean, especially in the old school. No, in the new school, because he was the only one who was black. So that was... Uh-huh, you're right, that was a very troubling scene. It left me a little bit unsettled. My wow. favorite scene... And then I'll ask you the question. My favorite scene... Was uh, the scene where he described the woman who had said some gossip and confessed, and he told and and he said that the priest told her to go to the roof, and open a feather pillow, and let all of the feathers out. Open it up. Let all the anger out. <laughs> let all the anger out. Unzip it and let all of the feathers go. And they all go floating around, and you see this imagery of the Bronx at that time just uh, covered with feathers. And then she goes back and says, okay, I've done it, like, expecting absolution. And he said, now go back and pick them up. Find them all and put the feather, put the pillow back together.
1: I had forgotten about that scene. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) To me, that was just so hugely powerful because we used to slay people, and we've said this so many times on the show, we used to slay people with weapons. We've moved into a time where we slay them with words. And just a carelessly spoken word, and we all do it, my friends. You're not talking to saints here. A a carelessly spoken word just has such far-reaching, ramifications it just touches so many people it's it's truly truly amazing and um that was a very gripping thing for me so now bob do you think that he was touching the boy you know i don't know
1: i haven't I, i i never came up with a definitive answer in my mind that yes he was or no he wasn't um I want to, you know, human nature says I I hope that he wasn't, hadn't been, but, you know, we know with all of the, all the scandals that have been going on in the last, what, 10 years now, that they've all been coming, quote, unquote, out of the closet with so many priests that have been, I guess what the movie did for me was made me think that, you know, there could be some of these kids that are making and who aren't kids anymore. They're probably just out there to get try to get some money or some publicity out of it. That may have actually, you know, taken a liberty to make false accusations and that not all and not all cases are true. It's kind of what I left that movie with the thought of is that, you know, yes, it ha- it has happened. We know it's happened. Some folks have, you know, can some of the priests have confessed that they've done that, you know, that, yes. that they've molested children? But in some cases, you know, they've still said that no, I ha- didn't do that, and it kind of left me with the feeling that, you know, I'm not the judge, really. And, I think,
0: and I'm not, yeah, and and I don't think, and there isn't a judge, my friends. There isn't a judge. There, there certainly is a, a civil court system, but at the end when Sister James, James is in the male name, was saying she had her doubts and, then, and that she didn't think he did it. And then uh, Meryl Streep's sister, for, who for whatever I can't say, I can only see the word principal in front of her, probably a childhood thing for me, but anyway, uh, sat there and suddenly started crying and said she has her doubts. And my friends, I, I, that was a very poignant uh, part of the movie because she acted on her certainty, not on facts. And she lied to the priest by telling him that she had called his prior school and spoken to a nun. And, right, and
1: His reaction to that was was what was interesting.
0: Yeah, because you know that's not we have such an idea about lying. And Mrs. J, Miss, or sister James was like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe you lied." It was like suddenly that was the worst thing. And and then he, his reaction, you're right, was very interesting. And and he resigned, and and so they left you with this haze of judgment because that's what it's all about: his judgment of this man and the life choices he's made as it relates to children. Now, against that entire haze, I would love to have seen this movie as one of those ones where you saw it from from the uh, protagonists. Uh, actually, we had two protagonists in this show. From Meryl Streep's perspective, we saw it. We saw her certainty. We saw her beliefs. And then we see... The priest trying to explain to Sister James, who doesn't believe he did it, that if he was going to go down in life, he wanted to go down being known for love. Now, there were some things that in today's world would be considered very, very uh, unacceptable in a teacher-student relationship, That certainly in that time period was probably equally questionable, But such as, I still can't understand how he had the boy's T-shirt. I, I don't understand that. That that was really something that made me a, a survivor. My instincts went, ooh. And, and I think for me to have doubts when I'm a survivor and I think that I can tell is kind of significant because that's a judgment in myself. That's my certainty. I really encourage you all to go see this. But um, the other thing was... The one thing that I think could have been viewed as proof, but also could just as equally been love, what is when the boy was in the hallway and somebody threw his stuff down and they broke something he had, and he was reaching down to try to pick up his things, and the father had originally barely recognized him, but the father came out, and helped him assemble his stuff and, you know, held his face in his hands in a very loving way, could be an intimate way, and hugged him and told him he was okay, that he was all right. And I wonder how much in our desire to protect our children from some elusive predator. We are cutting our children off from... Do you need to get that? No,
1: I don't. That. I <laughs> okay. I'm using my cell phone instead, but I forgot that the main uh, phone is sitting right here anyway. <laughs> okay. Uh,
0: yeah, anyway, I wonder... Go ahead and do whatever you need. That's all right.
1: No, yep. oh, it'll stop. It'll stop okay. or Michael.
0: I just the other day it was my cell phone, uh, but I wonder how much in our drive to contain the very real risk of of a sexual predator coming near our children, we curtail love experiences that our children need to see in order to grow and value themselves.
1: Yeah, that's true. How You know, how much are we protecting people now? How much are we protecting folks because we have the... Because we're afraid that they are. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's always phone drama, isn't it?
0: <laughs> yeah. it is. It's funny. This is live. This uh, is live, folks. Yep. Anyway, he sometimes is, it's on the phone. I've realized now...
1: And there's always some people who just keep calling and keep calling because they think that you're going to answer at some point. <laughs> That's
0: right. Surely you're going to get off the radio show and answer this phone call. My Actually, daughter. This,
1: and this person knows that I'm doing the radio show right now. That's what makes it even funnier. So. I know.
0: Both of both of my daughters do, but one of them calls every time when I'm doing it, almost. So I understand exactly. Even <laughs> last week. Even last week, that was who that was. Um she couldn't get through on the regular phone, she got through in the cell. Um, the, yeah, I mean, my gosh. I mean, you know, and, and we do so much. I know today's program is about words, but it's words of judgment that are doing some of the things. And words have, are what have prompted us to take all of these protective measures. And I would really. I know that we, we because of the media and because of our access to news, we are so much more informed and we know so much more what happens. But um, I, I sit in a courtroom on Monday afternoons and I see little girls periodically come by who have been touched by someone. And I would just tear that person's fingers off. But I don't see as many children who have been touched as I do see children who were born uh, with their parents addicted to methamphetamines or crack. I don't know, if maybe that is crack. Um, as I see parents who themselves are so far gone that their children are raising themselves. And and so I can only go from a living experience. And I survived what happened to me. I survived it. And I was loved by so many people in a, in a right way. And it saddens me to think that we're creating people who don't know how to show love. And that's what that show made me doubt. I questioned the T-shirt. Uh, I did. I questioned the T-shirt. And probably if he, if he were in my courtroom, that would have been enough. You know, if I were the working for the CPS like I do, and they told me that he, somebody observed him putting the boy's T-shirt in his locker, I would have at least moved to do something there. But um from a very real world it's interesting. The thing that I think that filmmakers thought would convince us caused me to have doubts, and that was his gentle spirit with the boy. Because we all need to have someone who has a gentle spirit with us. So today's topic is anger is what's left unsaid, which is really about Uh, not saying everything, as Brian, excuse me, as uh, Bob said, not saying everything until, uh, so that, and allowing ourselves time to think about, to be glad we didn't say some things. But also, you can call in on that if you'd like, but also, um, how about compassionate people in your life? People who, outside your family, uh, showed you love, that, that... are in part who you are today. I have a whole list of them. I was a pretty adult, laden little girl, and so from the time I could walk, and my mother let me walk across the street, which amazingly, because I had younger brothers, was very early, um, I think three years old. um, I babysat my brothers when I was four. Uh, So at three years old, I could walk around the neighborhood and And build relationships with my neighbors. And And we were
1: good that as children too. We walked we walked around our neighborhood as we we were kids. We were in the alley. We were we were at you know, it was (laughs) we got locked out of the house when we were kids. (laughs) It was you know, you go outside and play, you don't stay inside. It's summertime. And, you know, we went to the library, we walked to school, we walked everywhere. Now We lived in the city where we could walk to school and we could do things like that. And now we become so much more suburbanized that you know. And I'm saying that from my early childhood. Later on in life, when we didn't live in the city, we did take the bus to school. We, you know, we were at the bus stop, but our parents didn't stand at the bus stop with us. And I noticed today that you know, I drive past a bus stop in my neighborhood. There's always parents there. You don't see just groups of children. And I think it goes back to what you said. People are afraid to let, (coughs) uh, you know, all of the things that we hear. And and it is a real risk. I mean, it is a risk in in our environment today, sadly. But it has made it so that we're not as as social as we were in the past, which makes us not, I think it almost makes us not have as much compassion as we could have for people because we're not, to as many people as as we as you and I were as kids. I knew all the neighbors. We could go in their house. My parents didn't say anything about you know, no one ever said anything about us going to other people's houses. Other people would come to our house. It was kind of just the way it was. And nowadays it's you know, you sit in front of your computer and uh and in chat. Yeah out online.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's just it's and and there the words are the way words are used are many times not very loving, and and the you know the the words that are used may be used by one person in the way he or she would use them in real life, sitting beside you, holding your hands, and. A person on the other side can be a gamer who's using the words just for a momentary lift to fill um, the moment, to, to fill them up before they look, move on to saying the same words to someone else, which itself can harm the person who meant what they said and causes them the same emotional pain as though the person had been sitting beside them holding their hand. It, it's it, we've we've come to such an odd place that um, and I I think the guys brought us here today even in this conversation because that's a very sensitive topic for me uh, you know believing what someone says on the internet and uh, forming in your mind an image of that person and and then acting on that image and all that can come from it. And and it's all about words. It, it's about words, and those people feel it's okay because, uh, I, and I know because I lived with one for for actually almost three years, and uh, or for three years, you know, he thought it was okay. Uh, it didn't matter because it wasn't real. The internet is not real. But for all of those women who heard all of his words. And the periodic one that communicated with me, they thought it was real. They thought that any day he was going to be leaving and coming to them, and they invited him to. Some people bought houses. I mean, the things that people did to ease the angst of this man, who apparently didn't really have some angst at all, although I started believing the words that I was hearing on the Internet, too. And the the thing that is defining about that relationship for me, my friends, is that I did not, I was not glad at the end of the conversation many times. I was so influenced and so affected by all of the words that were swirling around. That imagery of, of feathers, just all of these words and and all of the um, import that I gave to the words, that I was, wasn't even me. I lost touch with myself. I would not be who I am today had I not lived all of that, but I was mean. And I said mean things, and I meant those mean things. And it was is a real jousting match within my house, uh, an intrusion in my peace that I'm not often familiar with in my life. And it was valuable for me because I grew from it. But I do know that we use words very casually as a people in our society, uh, on the internet especially. And I do know that there are people there who are vulnerable. And it doesn't matter how many little tests you give to clear them through the system, the bottom line is you're not sitting there, you're not talking to them, you're not seeing their eyes, you're not in their presence. And I actually wrote a book. I don't, It's not for sale anymore, but I did write a book called Online Love, and uh, it gave you a little test that you could do. It might sell better than uniquely created. It's cheaper. <laughs> but um, it tells people... I'm not looking for you to buy Uniquely Created, my friends. Uh, I'll I'll send you a copy. Please send me your email uh, address to mine, MKW Law Firm, and I'll send you one. I, I want that book someday to be given to people for free um, because I believe it's the next in-hand uh, lesson book, uh, second to the passing of the Gideon Bibles. But I um, this online love book was crazy because it... Um, it basically, I, I researched all these things on what you could do to protect yourself and questions you could ask and stuff. And But it all comes back to the idea that during that time period, when the conversations were over, I had huge lessons in regretting what I had said because it didn't reflect me. And and that, to me, is what it's about. Is Are you reflecting who you want the memory of to be in your words? Personally, I'm finding that there are times now when I don't say anything. I'm more quiet. Because if I would speak unless it was important and I felt that it needed to be said. If I would speak, I would not bring any peace to the moment, and it wouldn't change very much. There's a wonderful Buddhist uh, quote out there, and I don't know it precisely, but basically we can put it in kind of a Buddhist idea. Will my words matter in a week? When I, something I have to add to the conversation is so inconsequential that it's still going to remem- be remembered without my quote, the way it was said, then I pretty much stay silent and allow the people to have the glory of their words, unaffected by my addition. So I won't to let you talk for a while. I don't know. I started rambling there. I think. <laughs>
1: No, it made perfect sense, I think, you know, to kind of recap what I understood there is that, you know, a lot of times we do say things that that we're gonna to come to regret later. And maybe we don't regret that we said them or regret that we maybe regret's not the right word that I'm looking for. It's we wish we wouldn't have said it because we weren't being our highest self when we said what we did. And there could have been a nicer or Maybe even a more assertive way of saying it that was less offensive. Yeah. Um, I, I always think of you know the of uh, the four agreements Don Miguel Ruiz. It's that you know be impeccable with your word, and you know it, it, to be impeccable with your word. Sometimes you have to sit back and listen and think about what you're going to say. Before you say anything at all, because uh, that just, you know, to say something right off the top of your head sometimes doesn't seem to be predictable with your words, because you have anger. The thing in your way, we have emotions, we have, the part of being a human being is that we do have emotions and that we have to sometimes step back and take a look at uh, what it is that we need to just take a step back from those emotions and look at around us and figure out what we need to do in order to um, not, <coughs> in order to remain impeccable with our word because our, our word will be tarnished by the anger and the resentment, the, the guilt, the fear, the chaos that's going around in that time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I guess for me in the end is kind of taking the Don Miguel Reese because I really do love the Four Agreements. Um, I've taken that kind of to heart in the sense that when I walk away from a conversation, I want to be happy with who I was and myself.
1: Right, and, and to do that by being impeccable with your word, and to walk away and say, "Yes, I, I, I feel good about what I said. I didn't say anything out of anger." And and sometimes that does mean that we have to sit back and and think before we speak.
0: Yes, yes, yeah. Take some time and think before we speak, and and sometimes ask ourselves the question: Does this really need? to be said at all you know do um
1: is there another motive is there a a motivation inside me to to say this other than to be to make a point or to um take a stab at someone else
0: yeah it's a good point it's a good in fact, you know I have these people who come to my office periodically, and um, I, I think I've told this on this show before. Forgive me for repeating the story, but it just stands out to me how important. How sometimes it's hard to be impeccable with your word, and you need a reminder. And I've put a visual reminder. I have a, a lovely little glass uh, card. Holder, business card holder. I mean, most people who come in my office know that I'm the senior deputy county council. I don't need that card, but we have cards. So mine are sitting in that little card holder. And I'm amazed people do take them, and I periodically have to refill it. And at the back, behind the cards, I have this little saying that I, that I often start this show with, you know, In the valley, on the mountain, I beheld only God. In hardship, I saw him by my side. In ease and well-being, I beheld only God. Like a candle, I melted. Amidst the sparks of the flames, I beheld only God. And as I'm sitting there looking at someone who's trying to really engage me, I the, my room, you've seen my office, Bob, it has no window. You know, it fills up very quickly with the engagement. The engagement opportunity is right there staring me straight in the eyes. But it's really hard to engage when I'm looking. As they're looking at the front of my business card, I'm looking at that saying. Because it tells me that in this, across the table, I'm beholding a part of God. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have to be, is the word wily like a fox? You do. You have to be politically wise. But you don't have to necessarily give up your peace all the time to do that. It's interesting that people come to respect those people who are very hard to shake from their peace.
1: Yeah, you're right. It's the that's the people that 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 you notice that folks gravitate to are the people that don't lose their cool the most because they know that they can talk to them and that they. I think uh, another key thing about the people that don't lose their cool the most is they probably are better listeners. Yes. Because they listen in, instead of jumping in and saying, you know, I, I'll I'll admit this week, you know, I had I actually had a customer call me that someone that one someone on my staff doesn't listen and that they talked more than they listened and they gave me some examples and and I thought uh, okay and you know and I, I took that under advisement and you know there that, you know it could be that you know I'm not sure anyway that happened and then someone came uh, another a different employee came into my office and was asking me a question and I think. At least two times I, give, I gave an answer before she even finished the question. And she's like, by the third time, she goes, all right, this third time, can I please say the whole thing before you answer, because you haven't answered my question the other two times. And I yeah. thought, oh, you know, so it's, it is, it uh, is. we all need to remember to listen <laughs> to yes. before we yes. start saying something, because I think we can become, and in this case, I wasn't angry at all. It was, you know, I guess we always all do that because we're in a rush. We try to... Why do we think we're... Uh, why do you think we do that? I think everyone tries to answer a question before the other person answers or finishes asking a question. Uh,
0: I, I much, don't... I think that it may show position and, and knowledge. It, it may be designed... It obviously gets wrong answers and wastes time, but we think it saves time. The real problem is when someone acts on a partial answer or a partial question, you know. And um, I, I think that it may be a bit of uh, I because I, I am so smart, it says, I know what you're thinking, let me tell you. They give you signals. Plus, if I may give you a, a more spiritual look at it, I think we do connect with other people. And we connect with their energy. All of us are a bit empathic. And I think that because of that, we know where their mind's going. And it could be we're right. And even if 99.9% of the time we're right, there's that .01% when we're not. And there's 99.9% of the people who feel disvalued by us because we didn't even accord them the uh, pleasure of asking their questions. Without interruption, Thanks. you know we've all sat there in, in the room and thought of answers while someone's talking. I, I periodically will have uh, a board member accuse, uh, say things to me that I've already answered because he he has strong feelings that he needs to express, and and so he's so active to show his righteousness that he's right that he misses the the discussion and and it's a real struggle not to engage with that person. And say so I've already said that, you know, and but that serves no purpose. The other day I had the computer uh young man, I could almost call him computer boy. We have cable boy now. We have computer boy. Anyway, uh, in my office, because we've switched to some sort of email system and called Exchange, it it was crazy. I had to buy something to make my home computers at no small expense to make my home computers work better with it. But anyway, putting that aside, it's not an issue, really. Um, I... um, whoops, there we go, somebody's calling me now, uh, I, I kept trying to tell him something, and he was not hearing me, and I'm so glad that the exchange happened, because I said, no, you're giving me the simple answer, I'm asking something different, and he, you know, he was, he was rather silent, and, um, I said, I'm asking how I move this folder up here. He said, oh. And then on yesterday morning, I woke up and I realized that much of our communication with him and our disappointment has been that he has always heard a different question than we were asking. He was hearing a very basic question, and we were asking a two, if, there's, if basic is one tier, we were asking tier and a half. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's that's led to misunderstanding. And uh, I thought, wow, we need to work on that. So that's, that's an example of, you know, hearing what you want to hear is what ends up happening, what you've decided someone wants to know, as opposed to waiting to find out what they really know. And frankly, I think that happens in relationships also.
1: Yeah, because you're right. We do in relationships, I think, because we think that we know what, we think we should know what each other are thinking, right, when you're in a relation with friends or with a partner is you think that you should know the answer already because, you know, we are friends, by the way. (laughs) So I should know what you're thinking and what you're feeling. And then when you don't, I think sometimes that we don't, Uh, we don't put it back into perspective and step back and say, you know what, maybe we should just listen to the whole question or listen to the whole explanation before we run in with our uh, answer.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And maybe we should, if we're with friends or if we're in a relationship, maybe we should let down the armor of our defensiveness. And trust that friend not to try to spear our heart. And if they do spear our heart, then that says something about our friendship. You know, it could be that they got our attention, but it could be that there was some maliciousness in it. But I don't think so. I don't think in normal friend relationships there is maliciousness. I think sometimes people are just trying to give you what they believe is the best advice for you and or what they their opinion is. And if you don't listen to it all the way through before you start explaining to them why they're wrong, then you may miss out on the very kernel, perhaps just a little bit of truth that might be of value for you.
1: Right. It's it's a shame that we always have our our armor on, so to speak. We're always thinking that everyone is I don't want to say out to get us because that would kind of sound like we're a little bit neurotic maybe, but, you know, so many times we we are on the outlook in in our business relationships and our non-personal relationships where with acquaintances or with business or even with, uh, you know, going to the grocery store and making sure that, you know, they didn't charge us for something that we didn't get or that, you know, they took the right price. We're always we're always looking. We're, we're always on the defensive. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
0: yeah, we are. I mean, isn't that exactly what we're doing? Teaching our children about uh, the people they're around to be on the lookout for someone who wants to hurt them. So that pretty soon, even the people who may just want to be kind to them and in a in a genuine loving love-inspired, God-inspired way, are they're precluded from having any contact with those people. And isn't it all the same? Aren't we doing all of that together? I mean, it is the same.
1: Yeah. We are. We're, we're actually blocking people from being able to do things that could end up being a loving thing in the end.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we really are we're, we're tra- blocking ourselves from being able to receive love and give love without judgment. You know, all every time someone holds your face in their hands is not necessarily a sign that they want to deal with you on any level of intimacy other than the level of love just simply that, you know, I love you, you're valuable, you're an important person to me. Nothing different. And and yet we we attribute so much more to it. We really do. And so that's kind of uh, an interesting thing, too. I noticed, Bob, that we, uh, I think we have a, uh, a caller. Ah, I
1: haven't been paying attention. Let's. I'm going to let Hello. you do that. Hello from area code 229. How are you this afternoon, this morning? All right. How are you, sir? Ma'am, how are you all doing today? Well,
0: very yeah, well. Thank you. Thank
2: right. you. Yes, ma'am. Um, I was just calling to see. Um, I don't know if y'all do readings or not. I was calling to see if you do. Could I get a reading? I um, I.
0: Do you read? This is Leroy? Ma'am. Hello. Hello. Hi. Hi. Is this Leroy? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Leroy, I have been uh, sick this past week, and when um, you do a reading, it takes a certain amount of energy away from you yes, because you and I don't know that I have that energy this week. I I can't speak for whether Bob may have a message for you, but uh, and I know Micah had something for you last time, Mister Brian. But I, I will tell you that sitting here today, I'm not sure that I could without. uh, I need, I need to focus on getting well. Um,
1: Okay.
0: But Bob, I don't know. Perhaps you and Leroy could talk for a moment there.
1: There. Is there something in particular that you're looking for? Is there? Uh,
2: yes, sir. Um, well, I just, my name is Melvin. I'm calling from Georgia. Oh, and uh, um, I uh, basically just, you know, I don't know, maybe relationship and job. I applied for this um, job. Um Become permanent or worker there because I'm temporary now, but I apply for this job and, uh, I'm just having a lot of issues because my mother passed and, uh, uh I just want to know she's alright and, and all that. So I just have a lot of issues right now.
1: Of course, you you know your your mom is there with you in your heart, and you know that she <coughs> is, um she's with you all the time. And there's something that that you wanted to tell her, and and she know or something that you didn't want her to know that she knows now, and 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 she just sends her love to you. Mm. i not sure if that makes any sense to you. It doesn't really make sense to me, but there was... The secret is okay is the message that I have. And... And to, and to stop dwelling, there's something that you you continually dwell upon, that that uh, almost want to say that it almost haunts you, and you need to uh, to find inner peace with that in order to to move on and in order to to succeed in the in the job that you're looking for. Yes. Uh, does any of that make sense for you? does that help you out any uh yes sir um uh, well i um uh,
2: my mom just passed uh last week and um on thursday and um, um i do i i think i was like i'm in college and I really wanted her to see me graduate and because uh, 'cause I'll be the first a uh, child to graduate from the family, uh, and I wanted to let her know that I was sorry, but uh, that you know it took me a while to, to to finish up. I'm not finished yet, but I have more classes to take. So uh, that's I don't know what other secret could be, but that's basically what was on my mind about it. Like I kind of disappointed her a little bit, but
1: yeah uh, so just stop, don't be, don't beat yourself up about not finishing as as quickly as as you might have needed to finish or you know comparing yourself to others and how quickly other people finished if it's something that you know you want to do and you want to finish it up then right. finish it up. you know your mom is going to be there walking walking with you when you walk at graduation she's going to be there smiling hand in hand with you and remember to that you're really doing it for yourself, and that's the bottom sure. line. Is, is you've got to do it for yourself, and you didn't let your mom down in it by any means at all. Yes, sir. and congratulations on getting really close to finishing up too. That's great. Yes,
2: sir. Do you see me uh, finish it up uh, this year? Because I had some difficulties with two classes, and they I didn't pass those two classes and. I just want to know if these two professors are going to change my grade where I can move on, where I can get on out of here. You know, they, I, I made, like, two Ds, which I thought maybe I could at least make a C in both of them, and that will definitely help me graduate this fall, in 2009, or this fall, next semester.
1: Yeah, what I, what I would do is I would probably talk to the professors and let them know that you had some things going on in your life that... Right. That were that took precedence over school at the time and that you're willing to do a little bit of extra work to, to get to, to help see that D turn into a C and see how they'll be willing to work with you, I think that that's what you need to do, and that if you take that positive approach and let them sure. know that you're willing to work with them and that they'll be more than willing to work with you to make that happen for you. Okay, yes. All
0: right. I agree. I think, Melvin, we talked about the classes before, and that's. I think that that was also what I was feeling was was the solution in the air and that you could use the summer perhaps to do something significant as an extra to show them you understand the principles of the class because I sense that uh, the issue it turns on their not being fully appreciative of what you know. So much of the time in school that's what's going on is the teacher shares ideas and concepts that they believe are vital for the person to succeed in the career, on the topic, in the subject and in the class. And then the test is simply an opportunity to find to have the student then show back what they've heard and understood so that the the professor can evaluate whether they're prepared to, at a foundation level, go forward with that knowledge. They've got what they need. And it would seem that there's a disconnect here and that maybe you do understand more than they believe you do. And by stepping forward and asking that they leave the grades as incomplete for now and give you some time, excuse me, maybe six weeks or something to do something significant, uh, something that would convince them you do understand what you needed to understand in order to get a C. Um, That might be the approach. Um, Also, I, I, um, I, I sense that you should apply for multiple jobs, not just one. Don't put all your eggs in one basket.
2: Yes, ma'am.
0: You know, I really, I think that that may be a value. I'm also a football coach, you know.
2: So. And good uh, for you. Yes, ma'am. Oh, okay. Thank you all. I'm not going to hold you up.
0: Well, you're not holding us up. We're, we're pleased oh, that you oh, called. Called oh, in, and I, I thought th- I thought you were another listener from the same area code, and I apologize that I I misspoke to you. But you guys must have very same accents, and, <laughs> and I'm not I, I. And of course, I have none. <laughs> well, we spoke before,
2: ma'am. We yes. Yeah,
0: well, we did, Melvin. I, I remember when you said your name was Melvin, I thought, oh, my gosh, that's Melvin, not Leroy. I, I do apologize that I confused you, but, yes, I, I remember okay. us speaking.
3: Yes,
2: ma'am. I do
0: remember. How are things Can going you... with your girl?
2: With my with my what? Girlfriend,
0: your girlfriend.
2: Uh, I don't really have one right now. I'm just talking to a person, but uh, I don't have one. I don't have a girlfriend. Okay, okay. Uh, Is anything going to, is anyone uh, coming into my life anytime soon? Uh, Someone?
3: uh,
0: I don't see that. I think you've got things on your plate. What I see for you, Melvin, is if I would look at it in terms of a plate, your plate is heaped full. Yeah. With emotional foods, with um, survival foods, with intellectual food and there's no time left because you're still searching for who you are. You've got too much that you need to chew up on your personal plate. And remember, you love others as you love yourself. Mm -hmm. And so you need to take some time to just value Melvin and get that together. And then... At that time, when you feel secure in yourself, when you are stable, you finish school, then somebody will be there for you, I'm sure.
3: That's right. Okay.
0: Thank you. Bob, we didn't get to a centering exercise today, and we've used up the whole program, but well done. Thank you.
1: So, uh,
0: thank you, Melvin, very much. Um, Bob, would you like to to give us a little just a quick we only have I think 2 minutes left. Um, would yeah, you like
1: to Yeah, I'll just take us through a, little, a, a quick meditation here. Thank um, you. if everyone would just feel take in a big, deep breath and be, take that breath as if you're pulling it from the bottom of your spine and feel that energy pulling up through your spine as if it were a white light. Pull your body. Exhale the air. And as you exhale, feel all of the negative energy that's within you releasing itself into the air, pulling in positive energy. Pull in the white light from um, The earth into your center of your body, pull it up in through your lungs, feel the air coming out as if it's pushing out the top of your head as you blow the air from your mouth out into the world, think of peace, 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 and as you breathe this afternoon, take deep breaths, And as you pull those deep breaths in, remember that your muscles are loosening up. Your heart rate is returning to normal pace. Have the breathing become slower, deeper. Notice that your blood pressure is dropping as you pull in and focus on thinking of nothing. Just being mindful of what's around you maybe staring at the candlelight and just taking deep breaths in and out slowly, letting your body just melt into itself. And as you go forward this week, try to meditate every day because even if it's just five minutes in the car as you're driving, take that time just to take some deep breaths and remember to be compassionate. Thank you for being with us today. Namaste.
0: Namaste, my friends. Thank you for joining us. Melvin, thank you for calling in. May love unfold you you today and this week. Thank you.
3: Thank you all. Bye
0: bye.